Let's just jump into it. We got to keep moving here. Let me share a story with you here. A young teenage boy had just gotten his driver's license. And when he got home, he asked his father, he said, who was a minister, he said, uh, can we discuss me using the car? So his father took him to the study and said, yes, son, we can discuss it. I'll make a deal with you. If you bring up your grades, you study the Bible, you get a haircut, then we can talk about you using the car. About a month later, the boy came back and said, Dad, can we discuss the use of the car again? His father said, yes, let's go into the office. So he went into the office. He said, son, I'm very proud of you. You brought up your grades. You studied the Bible diligently, but you didn't cut your hair. The young man said, well, wait a minute, Dad. I was reading in the Bible, and I saw that Moses had long hair, Noah had long hair, Samson had long hair, and even Jesus had long hair. He said, yes, you're right, son. And all of those men walked everywhere they went. True. <laughs> I know there's a lot going on. We got the New York Marathon today, and people are out there running and walking and doing different things. So I want to talk to us today about spiritual fitness. Spiritual fitness. Let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8. Spiritual fitness. How do I get spiritually fit? In verse 7 it says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You know, to say that our nation is caught up in a a fitness craze is a misunderstanding. Physical fitness has become a billion-dollar industry. (laughs) At any given time, you can find those infomercials where they're talking about being in better shape and spiritual fitness. Uh, they have things called the, the thigh master to help you with that. They got the abdominizer to help your abdominals. They got a gut be gone. They got all kind of stuff. And then they have those commercials that go along with it that says, you know, and if you order now, you'll get one of the new and latest, most improved abs of steel. Along with that, you'll get buns of steel. And they just have all these infomercials to try to help us get physically fit. Now, I do believe in being physically fit. That's something that we should do. I go to the gym several times a week, and that's good. But there's another aspect to it than just being physically fit. One of the things I learned from my coach uh, in college, our weight training coach, is that you have to eat a balanced diet to maintain your energy. You have to have regular exercise to build your muscle and cardiovascular system. And you have to get proper rest to recharge yourself. So what you eat, how you exercise, and how much rest you get is very important in your physical fitness. But again, in uh, 1 Timothy it says physical fitness, it is of some value. It is good. But how we are spiritually is worth more than how we are physically. 
Now, I have never seen an infomercial on spiritual fitness. Prayers of steel. The sermon master. You don't see those kind of things. And that could be something I could do, though. I ain't even thought about that. Maybe I... You know, everybody got a side hustle in New York. Maybe we can do something like that. But what does it mean to be spiritually fit? So, that's what I want to talk to us about today. Because I don't think it's as difficult as people make it. And even when they show you those commercials on TV, they, they get... They make it seem almost impossible unless you use their product that you'll never get physically fit. I don't think it's that hard. So I want to talk to us today about three steps to help us in our spiritual fitness. The first step is this. Spiritual fitness requires proper spiritual nutrition. In order for us to be spiritually fit, yes, it's time to go on that diet and get that spiritual nutrition that we need. And just as the body needs it, food, our spiritual lives require nourishment as well. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Just as our body needs it, our spirit needs it as well. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Look at what Jesus says here. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words... Man is more than just a physical being. We all have a spiritual side to us as well. We all have a soul within us. Now the issue is, do we feed the spirit or do we feed the sinful nature? And we all know, whichever one you feed is the one that's going to grow. So what are you nourishing? The spiritual side of your life or the worldly side of your life? Look in Exodus chapter 16. In the Old Testament, it was a story of how God miraculously provided food for the Israelites over their 40-year journey out of the slavery in Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 16, we're going to read verse 1 through 7. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meals and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare for them. They are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, "In the evening, you will know that it is the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because He has heard your grumbling against Him. Who are we that we should grumble against us?" Now, we've got to notice a couple of things about the manna stipulations that God gives. The manna, which is the bread from God, the bread of life. It says it was to be gathered once a day. Secondly, it was to be consumed that day. Nothing was to be left over or it was going to spoil. And thirdly, on the sixth day, you're to gather twice as much 
Because on the seventh day, you're not supposed to go out to gather anything. Now, in the New Testament here, Jesus refers to the manna while talking to some of the religious leaders. Look in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 46. This is Jesus talking to some of the religious people here, and he refers back to that same thing that God gave back in Exodus. Verse 46, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the life, I'm sorry, here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus says, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Whoever consumes me will live. This bread is Christ's body, which is given for the sins of the world. So how do we consume Jesus? We're not talking about cannibalism here. We're talking about consumption of Jesus. Well, there's three simple things. One, we need to acknowledge, first of all, that Jesus is the Son of God. We've got to acknowledge that he died for us, which means we have to admit and take responsibility for our sins. It can't be everybody else made me do this or somebody else did. No, we have to take responsibility for our sins. Secondly, we have to partake in his body. In other words, the communion. Now, when we have communion, we need to do it in a worthy manner. They talked about this in the Bible. Well, what's an unworthy manner? Well, if you have all these attitudes and issues with people, you've got to resolve that before you start to take Jesus into your life. You've got to make sure things are at peace as well as you can bring them to peace. Maybe somebody else doesn't want peace, but you present the olive branch of peace. He says this is how we need to come to Jesus and take communion in a worthy manner. And then thirdly, he says we need to have the daily reading of God's word. That's how we can be consumed. That's how we can consume Jesus. And that's the one I want to focus on at this moment. Daily consumption, that daily nutrition of God's word. One of, if not the greatest steps in getting spiritually fit is learn to feed off of God's word. Now, there's a big difference in feeding off God's word and reading God's word. Because we can read God's word and get a lot of intellectual knowledge. But when you feed off of God's word, it changes your life. Let me show you a few scriptures here. Psalms 119. And we'll have it on the screen if you don't get there in time. Psalms 119, verse 103. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. This is what he says. Look in Job 23, verse 12. Job 23, verse 12. It says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. He treasured these words. 
I don't think he had a hard time getting up and reading his Bible or the scrolls before the day started. When you treasure something, you love it. You go after it. Look at Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. He says here, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. And then look at the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know what it says? The Bible, the word of God, it judges your thoughts and your attitudes. It goes to penetrate soul and spirit. The word of God digs deep into you. It judges your thoughts and attitudes. What, what are your attitudes? What are your thoughts? Those are your feelings. So even your feelings are judged by the word of God. See, a lot of times we think, I, I feel this way. Well, we got to make sure, is that still in line with what God says? You know what? It is more important for us to submit to God's will than anything else. God's will is better than Oprah, Judge Judy, Steve Harvey, Judge Mathis. Than any romance novel is better than any movie. You can surf the internet, you can surf the waves of the ocean, but you will never find anything better as food for your soul than the Word of God. How is that? When you're down, the Word of God can lift you up. When you're lost, it'll help you find your way. When you're fearful, it'll give you courage. When you're weak, it'll give you strength. When you're hurting, it'll give you healing. The Word of God will be there for you. There's nothing you can experience that the Word of God cannot deal with in your life. To experience proper growth, we must regularly read God's Word and listen for His voice. His voice. Not our voice or somebody around us' voice. We have to read the Word of God and listen for His voice. That is our spiritual food. You know, sometimes people say, well, I just need a break from church. I need a break from God. I just need to step away from God for a minute. Where are you going to go other than hell that God is not there? Actually, He even created hell. You can't even go to hell without God having something to do with it. You've got to understand, you can't walk away from God ever. Everything in your life has a touch of God in it. There is no, let me take a break from God. You can't take a break from God. Guys, when you read God's word, you will see God is everywhere. Some people say, you know what, but that's my nutrition. Maybe I need like a, a spiritual weight watchers. I can't, I can't take this much of it. This is a little much. No, no, you got to understand the word of God is here to help you. There's going to be times that it challenges you. There's going to be times that it rebukes you. But it's only to help you grow. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. 
And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Guys, if you ever want your faith to grow, you have to get into the word of God. So the first thing we need to do if we want to be spiritually fit is to have the proper nutrition. In other words, you have to read your Bible every single day. Even though you come to church and you hear a sermon, that's, that's a sermon for all of us. You need some alone time with God still, even in that. This is a help. It's a tool. But guys, you have to make sure you and God are getting your daily time together. The second thing about spiritual fitness. Spiritual fitness requires spiritual exercise. Spiritual exercise. Faith is like a muscle. It must be exercised in order to grow. So how do you exercise your faith muscles? Look in Romans 1, verse 17. Romans 1, verse 17, it says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. How do you exercise your faith muscles? Your lifestyle. How you live shows whether or not you're living by faith or you're living by sight. Now, here's the problem with physical fitness. People go to the gym, and if you haven't been at the gym in a while, you go to the gym, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go in here and I'm going to just do everything. I'm going to get my whole body there. And so they start doing all, with the good intentions, start trying to do everything. Arms, legs, back, stomach, everything. And then... The next day and the day after, you so sore that you say, you know what, I, 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 I'm done. That's about it. And usually people get memberships January 1st, and by Martin Luther King Day, the 15th, it's over with. So they go and they do all this stuff, and they do all this and that, and then it just starts to hurt and so much pain, and then all the excuses come in, and then they just stop. But that can be the same problem spiritually. Because you can start doing so much stuff. I'm helping out here. I'm serving there. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You can start doing so much that you leave God out and it becomes about you. How much you're doing. And then you look around and you see other people not doing what you're doing. You start to get judgmental and critical. Then you say, you know what? I'm just done. I tried. I did all I could do. Ain't nobody else helping me. I just quit. The same thing we do physically, we do spiritually sometimes. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, and now that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? That means we live by faith, not by sight. It's not going to be an instant result for you. It's not about how can we humanly see God doing this, this, and that. Guys, you got to understand, even when you go to the gym, it usually takes three weeks to have visual results of change. And people go there and they start, and after the first week, they're like, ooh, I've been doing this for a whole week. Ain't not, it's still there. And what's wrong? And then we just get so frustrated. We're like, you know what? Ain't nothing changing. I might as well just go on to Krispy Kreme. Why am I playing around? Let's get some Chick-fil-A. I'm just done with all this stuff. 
and we just quit. Guys, sometimes that's how we are spiritually. We're praying for something, and we're praying for something, and it doesn't happen. We're like, you know what? I've been praying for a whole week, and nothing changed. I've been begging God for a week, and he's not listening to me. Not like he's not busy with billions of other things going on, but he hasn't heard my prayer, so you know what? I think I'm done. It says we need to live by faith, not by sight. People that go to the gym for the physical change, they they do it by sight, and then they don't see the results, and they stop. We cannot have that same problem spiritually. we got to learn to push through. You pray about it for a week, and it doesn't happen, you need to keep praying about it. All of a sudden, you, you, things are going to occur, but you got to push through having your feelings hurt. you got to push through health issues. you got to push through family issues. you got to push through things, guys. We can't just start it, and it doesn't happen right away, and we stop. That's not living by faith. That's living by sight. I don't see it happening, but I've been in the church for a year now, and it hasn't happened. You've been alive for 20-some years and it didn't happen. God should give God more time than that. Sometimes we act like we deserve something because we're now a part of God's church. We don't deserve anything. But we got to remember, we live by faith, not by sight. What did he say in Jeremiah 29? I have plans for you, plans to, to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. Sometimes we're so anxious and controlling We don't wait upon the Lord to work. We want to see the results right away. I share my faith. I invited four women to this Women's Day and nobody said they'd come. I am so mad. I ain't sharing no more at all. All y'all. Uh-uh. Then somebody else could share with ten people and none of them say yes. And then you come here and all of a sudden five of them just show up. You know what? They may not have said yes at that moment, but they won't forget the fact that you shared with them. Guys, we got to live by faith, not by sight. We can't just focus on what we see. We got to focus on what's out there for us. Look over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Guys, we have to believe that we can change even before we start. I'm going to say that again because it didn't sink in for it. You have to believe it will change even before you start. That's what it's talking about living by faith. So if you get a, a, a gym membership, you got to believe you're going to be in better shape even before you even put the first payment down there. There's going to be results by me joining this gym. Great. So now you got to think spiritually. You know what? I'm going to read the Word of God every day. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to read every day. You know what? There's going to be results from me reading every day. I may not see it. I may not get a new car or a new house or a promotion. I may not see it, but something's happening because my faith is in God. It's not about me. But here's the problem. Sometimes we want quick results. So what do people do in the world, physically? They take anabolic steroids for quick results. Okay, let's talk about the results of steroids. 
You get quick muscle growth, increased intensity, testosterone, increased aggression. That's why people do it. They get more intense. A lot of athletes do it. They're more aggressive. They're more angry. Yeah, that happens. And you get bulkier quicker. You get better mass. True. Absolutely true. And what are some negative results of it? Kidney problems and failure. Liver damage and tumors. Enlarged heart. High blood pressure. Changes to your cholesterol. All of which will risk, will cause a risk of stroke, heart attack, even in young people. Guys, I, a guy I personally knew in college was on steroids. And it affects people differently. And part of his forehead started to protrude. It started to, 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 start to come out. To the point that he was given the nickname visor. You know how you wear a visor to block your hair from the sun? His forehead stuck out so much, people named him that. Now, he did get bigger. He was stronger. But he looked a little bit like Frankenstein. And people were looking at him, and it was such an obvious change that that wasn't normal. But that quick burst of the steroid success wasn't worth it in the long run. And we can be just like that spiritually. We want a quick burst, and we try to do everything real quick, but yet, in the long run, it won't always pay off. Look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the seedfulness of wealth, and the desires of things to come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. What is this saying? This is telling us here clearly that there's many different ways the word of God will affect us. But the thing we got to see is that it'll come and there may be great joy. And it's, that's what some people are more emotional about things than having deep roots. And if we just go off of emotion, and it's amazing, a lot of times people say, but I feel like God is calling me to do this or that. And I usually say, could you show me that in the Bible? Because it's usually not in the Bible, but it's in their emotions. 
So how is God calling you to do that, but he never says it at all in the word of God? So we got to be sure that we're still letting God direct even our emotions. Because remember, the word of God judges your thoughts and attitudes. That's our emotions. It's not that we can't be emotional, but we still have to be godly even in our emotions. Guys, it is so important for us to understand this. Because Satan is trying to get us. Satan wants to get us so bad. And he'll do all he can to get us. So I say this because we got to understand, we not only need the proper nutrition, but we also need the right kind of uh, exercise in our faith. And then thirdly and finally, spiritual fitness requires renewal. It requires renewal. Proper rest is very important. You guys remember those commercials? Calgon, take me away. And just a picture of somebody laying in a bathtub, suds around. They just, they just want to just block out the world and just enjoy life. Sometimes we need to just allow Jesus to give us an internal cleansing bath to help us just let things go away. Look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. God is faithful. But he wants us to make the decision to follow him. He's not going to force us. He doesn't want robotic love. He wants us to make the choice to follow him. But he says, if you do, then I want to cleanse you of that guilty feeling you have. And all of us feel guilty at one point or another. But when you are baptized into Christ, your sins are forgiven. Now, I know we know that intellectually, but you have to understand your sins are forgiven. Well, what happens when you sin after that? As long as you walk in the light as he is in the light. The blood of Jesus will continue to purify you of your sins. In other words, you don't need to get baptized over and over and over and over again. No, no, no. If you are in Christ, his blood will cleanse you every time you repent of whatever it may be. And we need to stand secure with that. Because sometimes we let Satan play those tapes of our past over and over and over and all Satan wants to do, he doesn't want to take you out the kingdom. He just wants you to be a discouraged Christian. So that discouragement can be like yeast and work through the whole batch of dough. And God has said, don't even let Satan play with your mind. I cleanse you by my son dying for you, not just then, but for the rest of your life. As long as you repent and walk in the light, you are clean before God. And this is what we got to see. 
So what does this mean? This means you can be renewed daily. All it is is a daily repentance. Well, how do I know what to repent of? Well, you go back and start reading the word of God. Then you start living the life. And then you'll see the renewal that comes with it. It's all one big thing together. The nutrition, the exercise, and the renewal. It all comes together, guys. This is how we get spiritually fit. So I want to say this as we close out. If you're not a baptized disciple of Jesus, and you need to study the Bible, first of all. Why? So you can find out for yourself what you need to do. You don't need to just listen to everybody else. Find out for yourself. We want you to know about you and God. Not about what we know. You need to know about God. Now, we want to be there to help you study, to help you understand it. Absolutely. But you got to make a decision. You know what? At least let me study the Bible for three weeks. At least three weeks. Just let me see what's going to happen here. And I'm going to faithfully do it. And if in week two I don't see any results, you keep pressing on. At least give it three weeks to really see how God works in your life. Now, those that are already Christians, you need to make a decision. You know what? I am cleansed of my sin. I don't need to walk around guilty. I don't need to walk around and let my past dictate my future. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new being. I don't have to be scared. I don't have to be shy. I don't have to be insecure. Let me be what God wants me to be. And that's why he died for me. This is what we need to walk away with. Feeling encouraged, feeling strong in the Lord. We don't need to walk away doubting and wondering. He died for you. Don't doubt. Don't wonder. It already happened. Walk away refreshed and bold in your convictions. Guys, we need to have so many women. We won't have service in that cafeteria. You're going to need to be in here where you're going to have 500 plus women. Do you believe it? Do you hope for it? This isn't just a woman thing because every man in here knows at least one female in their life. You have to. You got a mama. You got everybody knows at least one person in your life. So the men need to invite the women just as well. Give them the number of your wife or somebody in your group. Guys, we need to go after really making this happen. And this is going to show our faith level. We got a couple of weeks to make this happen. You say two weeks? Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead in three days. We can do a lot more in two weeks. The issue is, are we going to have the faith to make this happen? Guys, we're going to do this. And hey, you know what? If us guys got to go worship in the gym so y'all can have both of them, we're going to do it. We're going to have a blast in that gym. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a men's day in the gym doing our thing. Because we want you ladies to know you are important. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Then we're going to be dismissed. I want to encourage, I know we love fellowship, but we're going to need to boogie on out so we can have everybody else come on in. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. And I do pray that we all walk away spiritually fit, intentions to be fit, that we will nourish ourselves with your word, that we will exercise our faith daily, and that we will renew ourselves with confession and knowledge of knowing that you forgave our sins. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray for an incredible women's worship service on the 17th, that you would just continue to work in all of our lives. Not just the women, but the men will do our part as well. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.